You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. Hey everybody, this is Ken Vellante, and I'm really excited to have uh, Charles Payne uh, on the episode, uh, playwright, uh, educator, presently uh, in residency in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, we're going to get into Charles' uh, uh, backstory a bit, but uh, first of all, before talking further, Charles, welcome to the uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm super, super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to have you on 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 the program and um, uh, Madison itself is a place near and dear to my heart. I uh, worked there for the teachers union for about a decade um, wow. and uh, spent some time uh, about twelve years total uh, in Wisconsin. And uh, so uh, you know, I know the place uh, where you are and you're doing some work uh, right now. But um, let's jump into the on this bit right now in, in Madison in your residency, uh, can you let let folks know uh, what you're up to with that and what the residency is about? Yeah, I'm, I'm super, super lucky to be the second Madison Metropolitan Sewer District um, artist and educator in residence. Um, and what I'm hoping to do is to lead uh, six to 10 students through a water advocacy curriculum where they end up telling a speech about why um, water advocacy is so important and why we need to be respecting water more, um, which is super exciting for me. Um, they call these catalytic projects. Unfortunately, you know, as you probably have read in the news, like there's no more clean rainwater. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like yeah. we all the water we have on earth right now is all the water we'll ever have. So if we continue to not treat it with respect, it's going to make it harder and harder um, for people to survive because we're not going to have quality water to be able to drink. Yeah. Well, and I wanted to, I mean, I know I asked a bigger question, but I just wanted to stop there and just mention, you know, your, your comment, just pause to, to consider, you know, what you're, what you're talking about. And um, I'd seen a few of, I don't know if there were slides of some of the work you had done uh, related to this, which was uh, on, on the website. Um, and uh, it was very, it was very inviting. And I was uh, excited to see that. And I'm like, well, yeah, we're talking about a lot of things right now with what's on earth, but just yeah. stop pause with, with, with water. What do you, what do you find uh, within that experience? What, what do the students say about this? You're pointing this out and saying, Hey, this isn't, this doesn't come from nowhere. Uh, what what are students, uh, what's their interaction with it? So it was super interesting. I did a similar project for my full-time job with students last summer. And the one thing that they went out to do is they checked all of the Madison parks to see if there was working running water. And they realized that water that we tell everyone is free um, wasn't working at those fountains. Um, and they also were able to point out things like, the water's not working at the fountains and we have no shade at the bus stop for when we're waiting for the bus. Yeah. The only way that I can get water is if I pay $2 from Walgreens to get water. Um, so like seeing how like access to fresh, clean drinking water is difficult for, for, for people in their neighborhood. I think it really woke them up to, you know, things in their community that they need to make sure that they're advocating for that get fixed so that people can get to it outside of themselves or other people outside of themselves if they have access to water in their home. 
thinking about everyone, you know, everyone who needs to get to water and making sure that it's there. Yeah. And one of the things I wanted to do to correct my comments and saying, uh, too, about, you know, maybe assuming that the water's good, but that might not even be the case with in, in some communities and some neighborhoods that, that would be underserved. So it's not, a, you know, it's not necessarily assumption that you would take it for granted, but as we do as a culture or as, as we do as a culture, we have to say, um, yeah. I appreciate advocacy around it. It's just, it yeah, Madison's, fun, Ma- Madison's really lucky because we have an aquifer. Um, I'm from Michigan. So I grew up and played summer ball in Flint. So I've seen the devastation in Flint. So I know that I'm in an environment where we're lucky to have an aquifer and it's easy. We have a pretty much easy access to get to clean water, but I know that's not true for everyone. So especially with what happened in Flint, if you haven't heard about Flint, please Google it. It also happened at uh, Jackson, Mississippi as well. Um, they are having a crisis as well that I don't know if it made national news or not. Yeah. Well, and I know many of um, uh, in the indigenous communities, uh, the kind of water access deprivation, mm-hmm. quality of water on the reservations as well. Um, it, it's exciting for me to, you know, bump into you and then see that work online and me being kind of tuned in with education and, you know, right in there and doing that work. Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate that. Tell me about, uh, Charles, tell me about the the classroom ain't enough. Um, I had, had seen that uh, uh, some performance down uh, in, in Asheville, uh, North Carolina and um, uh, uh, Corey, a poem. Uh, can, can you tell us about Tell us about this uh, work and um, and how and, and tell folks about it, what a quarry of poem is, if you could. Yeah, so the classroom ain't enough is a play. Um, I was inspired to apply for a new voices, new classes with the Morrow Award with the American Players Theater, which I'm a huge fan of. It's in like Spring Green. It's an outdoor theater. It's beautiful. It's a great place to be. And I would love to see my work on that stage. So I wrote 10 pages for them um, and I made it to become a semifinalist. They decided to go in a different direction. I submitted it again to another um, competition with Ford Theater Company in Madison. And um, they also made me a finalist, um, but they decided not to go with it. They said it'd be too, too difficult to put on. And then I was lucky enough that um, this small theater in Asheville, North Carolina, that only does new plays and has the play development program, said they would take on my work. Um, and then they applied for a grant and they got it. We were lucky enough to workshop the play at Clemson University for a week. Um, and we were able to do a reading um, at Magnetic and at Clemson, which was a great summer for me, where I got to work with four equity actors all reading my work. Um, and then the and then they did a more fuller production in Asheville this year, and I got to see the you know the fruits of my labor as they say. Yeah, because um, I got to see the full production um, with four actor four different actors, um, and with the full set and the music and everything. Um, it was like a dream scenario coming true for me. So if you don't know. A choreo poem is a form of dramatic expression that combines poetry, dance, music, and song. It was a term that was coined in 1975 by one of my favorite Black writers. 
Um, and they wrote the play for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow isn't enough. Um, and I've spelled enough the same way as it's spelled for this play to pay homage to the fact that I love for colored girls who consider suicide when the rainbow isn't enough. And it's my play, the way it's different is one, um, it's stories from me teaching, poetry from me living, um, all combined together, inter interspersed with music and movement. Um, and it just was a lot, it was a lot of fun to see. Really fast moving, a lot of changing of scenes, really great music. Sitting in the audience and hearing the audience sing along was like huge for me. So it was just- wow. It's wow. just a different. It's just a different form that you don't often get to see, but it, it turned out so well. I was so proud of what Katie put together. Yeah, seeing it developed in that way as the creator, you know, this you're. You, I'm just asking you as the creator, you know, this comes out of your head, and then you're, you're, you're watching it. What it becomes, it feels like that kind of thing that artists talk about. It's like out in the world now, and it's yeah, yeah, it's on it's on its own. And look at it looking back at me, right? Yeah. So I've been lucky enough because I was a slam poet at first and I traveled to some national competitions and I knew that my work would travel well. Uh, but seeing it like really like connect with people from North Carolina, you know, a place that I've only been to like once for a for a poetry competition, um, which has a different way of life than Michigan. But seeing them be able to connect to my words made it gave me a lot more confidence in like what I'm writing and what I'm doing and uh, moving forward to continue my journey as hopefully being, you know, a part-time artist at some point and not someone who just does it whenever he gets a chance. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, well, it takes, it, it takes some, it takes some courage and uh, I do appreciate the kind of like the insight of, of your reaction and, and, and seeing that, uh, seeing that come to life. I want to, we're talking, we're talking about you as a creator um, and uh, you've done, different different type of things um but as 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 a creator was there a moment where you said i'm an artist or somebody called you an artist and all of a sudden you were or a creator whatever kind of word you want to put towards that was there a, a moment where you're like you know shit this is this is this is who i am yeah i think uh things really shifted for me um in high school I did a lot of art for extra credit, but I never like really did it for me. And uh, my teacher asked me to, for my, we're a senior composition, to put together a presentation, a uh, personal statement of myself. And the only form I could think about doing that in was with poetry. Um, and when I finished that, that piece, um, I had moved people to tears. Like, and they were like, and that's when I realized, okay, I'm really good at something, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like to the point where I can, where I can change emotion. So this yeah. should be something that I look into deeper. Um, and since that, and since I saw that moment, like I've always been looking into writing. I've had like a few other incidents where like there might be, or I realized there might be a talent there, but I wasn't really paying attention to it. Like I got a, what was it? The Nobel award in elementary where they, everyone turns in a story and they get picked up. That happened to me. Um, like in fifth grade, um, but I didn't, I just thought it was because I was the only one who did the assignment, you know, like I didn't think it was because I was good. Yeah. Um, who then, knows what's going on in your head. Yeah. Right? Just like and in middle school, I wrote a couple of, I mean, we wrote a couple of like plays using other people's work and putting it together. Um, 
because we wanted to celebrate hip hop. Um, so we did that when I was really and that went and like that was really great and people loved that play. Um, but I think like when I saw that my work could like move people to tears, I think that's when it was like, okay, like if it's bringing out this emotion, then we're connecting on a deeper level. And I am for me, um, like for me, it feels like I'm helping people um, have empathy and move past their, you know, their narcissistic tendencies and seeing that we're in this all together. And I think that's, you know, that's always been my passion is, you know, to build community. That's a good instinct. I, I tell you, since you know, talking to a lot of artists on, on the show, I think my head sometimes would think about, you know, like movement in one way and poetry in another way. And just kind of the, the way you're describing it, I've, I've begun to appreciate so much Um movement and, and body movement. I like, I, I, I like, I like dance. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was, when I was a kid, I, I grew up in the city. So I was the white boy uh, break dancer at, at, at 12, you know, for the backup. Okay. But, but they, yeah. So I like, I, 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 I grew up around it, but I never kind of like fit in my head how important it was to me. I don't know. You live a certain way and maybe it's culturally not around, but um, talking a lot of artists and talking about uh, poetry and, and, and movement and other forms has been, um, has helped has helped me understand the arts the the arts uh, better because my body wants to move and my brain moves quickly so you can do all these type of things um, as far as the audience really uh, having that impact it does a powerful thing that you were saying because I think some of us whenever we feel like more than ourselves or people are really paying attention or they're responding to us physically you can see it. Um, it's such a powerful thing, and it was really exciting to hear about that for you, um, and 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 that kind of being a catalyst of 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 your art. Um, talking about uh, your role as an educator, um, I've had conversations. The best conversations I've had is understanding the integrations of, I don't know, the art of education or how creative kids are and teachers are and that integration of art and, and education for your perspective do, do, in, in, in how you teach, how do you look at the arts within that? Is, is it all part of the arts or you look, you know, how, how do you, how do you approach it creatively? Uh, teaching? Yeah, I mean, you know, I approach it, I approach it as art. Um, and the way that I approach it as art is I, I want to make it about the students and not about me and not about the standard. Like I wanted to connect to their personal story, their personal being, their personal interest. And I'm always trying to meet them where they are. Um, I'm not currently working as a teacher anymore. Um, I've been doing more education outside of the classroom. But I, you know, I've always believed that a child only educated in school is an uneducated child. Like, so there needs to be learning happening outside of the classroom. And that's something that I am like really passionate about providing. And if it's happening outside of the classroom, it has to be self-driven. It has to be it has to be something that they have interest in. Um, and then it's my job to provide them with support so that they can continue to like look into it deeper and deeper so they have a more holistic education. And I wish more people saw that as the case and work with our young people outside of school more to provide that additional education that's needed. But since there's not, I try my best to catch as many students as I can. Yeah, there's some. I mean, it's it's like the uh, a way 
you know, it's not like the way of education, but like a, a way of, of education. I work with a lot of teaching professionals in the representative capacity. And one of the biggest things that I'm sensitive to not in the classroom myself is that, uh, the power to instruct the power to be creative, the power to in time to reach that kid in a way that you as a smart teacher know how to, there's too many barriers. I talk to teachers a lot of times and they're just like, if we're really supposed to be doing this, this is how you do it. And there's forces that steer folks away from it, leading to professional, you know, professional frustration. So, um, you know, I find that kind of to be a, a, a back and forth dynamic. Uh, all right, Charles, I want to hit you with one of the big ones. We're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. art as part of your identity. What What is art? What what, do you, what is art for you? What For me, I think art is a true insight that reveals itself in a way that hopefully bypasses my consciousness um, and less conscious assumptions. Um, I hope it moves me past my defenses, my filters and my biases, my biases so in short, like when I think of art, I think it is my story. I love that. I love stories too, Charles. What's the what's the role of art? So, what's it what's it supposed what's it supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And we're talking here, July twenty twenty three. Does it have to do something different now than it's done before? Art, its role. I don't think it does have to do anything different. Like I think the role of art is to communicate what's happening in the world on a level that's beyond, you know, of course, self-consciousness and an ego-driven narcissism. So in short, I have always thought like the role of art is to tell my story fairly and unabashedly, not like a Texas history textbook, but tell my story truthfully. Um, And I think that humanity is what makes art so important. And if you look back, like, you look at the Black Panthers movement and their propaganda and the fact that they've had art. There's always been art yeah. for the people um, to ex- to express themselves, to have connection to, even if they didn't know what they were doing was art. I think um, I think for for me, just my perspective on uh, Black Panthers and also providing food, you know, early on to help kids and and and. In, in the city, but the arts. And I think it was a, a, a group there that was for the people and was such a threat because they're addressing mm-hmm. those needs of, of food and other, you know, the other things beyond, beyond the system, because I can say, I can say for myself, I still remain in puzzlement as to the, the lack that my education was right. Yeah. I, you know, as a, I, I graduated in 1990 white suburb school, you know, and, and I'm like, well, as I've done more shows with indigenous guests, I've gone back and I'm like, how is it that I had like a week of indigenous history or something like as a, as a student, a day. day. I only remember remember the chief Joseph quote. I will fight no more forever. I got the like tattooed on my leg because that was the only thing we got. That was <laughs> that's what I was taught. I visited yeah. Joseph last month. Well, here's the point on education, right? We're talking about this right now. Yeah. And that purse people and, and Chief Joseph, yes, but the paucity of like the education just just astounds me. And here's the biggest part for me is you know, I as a, as an artist, you as a lifelong learner, the curiosity. 
um, I hold that is that when you're done with high school and no, nothing against anybody, but when you're done with high school, you're done with you being educated in that setting. Yeah. There's going to be some, some gaps that'll make it difficult for you to understand the world. And, uh, I guess, um, do 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 you see within that? Do you? I'm just not to read into you, but that the, the you doing the stuff with the water, yeah, and that type of curriculum. Um, that's where it is, kind of, isn't it? I mean, I think I think it has a lot to do with you know self motivation and wanting to have your own interests that you want to learn. I think the reason why I was turned on to like doing the water curriculum is because. We also put on free story slam events all throughout Madison, me and a couple of my friends. And we came across this idea that if you do personal climate stories, people will take global global warming a lot more serious. So and when they when it's personal, uh, I think it really helps people connect. You know, and I I tell a really brave story about um, when I was living in Madison, I think it was like the first day we were in the house. Uh, Madison flooded and we lost everything that we owned. Oh, um, and it's because there's a large target that's using more water than needs to be used by anybody, like right above us, that all that water had to go somewhere. Oh. And it came out and it like destroyed my entire like house. But like those personal climate stories, like, you know, rain and how it impacts people and having flood and floods and people talking about it, I think it makes the issue more real for people. Like, okay, you know. You know, we had all that water travel. I'm going to get these leaves up so that we don't our streets don't flood anymore because I know what that could lead to. Um, so I, I think that's really important. You know, like you have to be able to connect with your story. Right. You have to be able to tell it. And then hopefully you can move people to, like, do things a little bit differently so that we can have a better environment for all. Yeah. Wow. That's a that's an intense, intense experience. I mean, right off the bat, I mean, that's. It's courage to 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 move through that. But the, the, the where I was getting it in, in, in talking before when we were talking about Flint and talking about you know mm-hmm. whole story you know with you know, resources, corporate power, and and, and things like that. Um, is 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 the term we're referring to as environmental racism, where the the decisions, the social policy in, impact uh, decisions that impact. Who suffers the consequences of the target? <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah. I mean, who and also who's allowed to enjoy nature? You got to think about like birding while black, or or hiking. You know, like you know, who's allowed to be a part of the recreation um, part of nature? And there's not a lot of people who look like me that are doing recreation when it comes to being out in nature because it's not has not been a safe environment for us to participate. Um, so, you know, I don't consider, I I don't consider myself someone who's fighting environmental racism. I see myself more as a social artist, which is someone who aims to use their creative skills to spark change. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, it's great that they're doing this project on water, but I'm hoping these skills that these students learn for advocacy, they can take and apply to their life. Um, so if another issue comes up, even if it is not about water, um, they have the skill set to be able to take the steps that they need to move forward. Right. Despite, in, in addition to the things we talked about with regards to um, uh, to writing, uh, the other 
things that you, you're working on developing or seeing where you move towards as far as creatively with story uh, coming up that you could refer to? Uh, so I, do, I, I usually do The Moth, um, which is a national podcast. That, that I that, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that I hate to give props to because I have some issues with The Moth, but I normally do story slams like that um to like freshen my skills um been really lucky to be able to write essays for the local newspaper which which is the ithmus they published four of my essays yeah really getting into like essay writing um and i've also done like there was a madison story slam um company that's recorded a couple of my stories um now that i'm realizing that i don't own the rights to those recordings i try not to do events that have recordings um, and I try to put on events where we don't record the storytellers, so they have to, so they can be vulnerable and control the fact that it's not being played over and over again. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm always trying to like write stories. My goal is to eventually write a book or get into a you know an adult MFA program so that I can put together a manuscript. Um, that's where I'm always trying to like get to with everything that I create. I'm trying to find another way to tell my story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, thank you for the poetry, the show, um, uh, the podcast recently I've been, I've had a lot of poets and I look back, I've been doing it for four years. I even look back towards the beginning and I had two or three poets early on. And just for me, like looking back as seeing, I've always uh, loved poetry, but I've been interested in many things and, you know, I've lived long enough where it kind of comes back in and it's, it, it, it's exciting. Um, but one thing I love about poetry is, is um, kind of the crystallization of meanings with, 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 it could be fun, but doing it well, like getting that meaning in there and doing it as a trick or it, it's just a, it's yeah. when it's done well, it's such a beautiful process and it's like, Ah, there it is. The essence, it feels like. I uh, interviewed a poet uh, from Chicago, Avery Young, uh, once. Okay. And, and, and he, I asked him, why is there something rather than nothing? He said, well, it's all I know is it's got to have the thump. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Avery, <laughs> amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah. Um, Charles, I got to hit you though uh with with the with the big question that you can answer uh how you how, how you will why why is there something rather than nothing like how how do we uh end up here whoa <laughs> yeah why is there something rather than nothing you know I, I believe in that thump you know there is something there rather than nothing because people often live their lives vicariously through something like you talked about earlier like break dancing meant a lot to you you know, listening to this hip hop, you're vicariously living through it. Um, it might be someone's children. It might be their job. It could be other forms of art. But evidently, those folks' energy must go somewhere, right? Yeah. yeah. Every person, sometimes even stifled people within them, have the potential to make art. Now, we may not call it art. I think breakdancing is art, but you might not call breakdancing art. You might not call like being a part of the, you know, the growing hip hop scene as being a part of art, but you know, it's the essence. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever form it takes, it's the thing that we do that reveals who we are. You know, even if we have no idea that's what's really happening. 
Like, I don't think people, when they were making hip hop, they knew it was going to be so transformative uh, for their community. You know, it sounds like when hip hop started up, I only know this because I've read a lot of Tracy Rose and I've seen her speak. It sounds like they just weren't allowed to go into clubs. So they decided to set up block parties by stealing electricity. Um, That doesn't (laughs) sound like art, but it is right, because it's what we do that reveals who we are. And like hip hop, like has defined that area of New York for so long. I mean, that's every book I read as a kid when I was trying to find like diverse books was yeah. set in Harlem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I thought Harlem was the most beautiful place. I thought the streets were paved with gold. And I remember I took an eighth grade trip to New York and they showed me Harlem and I was like, wait a second. place I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, like it was nothing like the romanticism in the books. Yeah, you know, Harlem was like explained as you know. So, well, it's seen different phases too. I mean, think of the Harlem Renaissance and different phases, oh, but yeah. it, does, it does create these uh, romantic notions that 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 may exist there. But no, I I, I get the I, I can even feel the gritty, you know, of how like on the hip. I I I love seeing the old clips of um, DJ Cool Herc, and it'd be mm-hmm. like you know just the back of that. Um, like station wagon or the wagon and those, those speakers going through. And it's like, you know, it's like, Hey, they're not going to let us in. We're not going to be over here. We got the disco records. Like, <laughs> like it is like some, you know, you know, I don't know. It's just, it just felt, it, it felt so good to, uh, to see that. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's really great chat with you, Charles. Charles, tell, can you tell the listeners like, um, or, or in in both in the terms of kind of finding your work, coming in contact with, but also locally for folks, uh, many friends, some listeners too, friends and listeners uh, in Madison. If there's some spots you you, you yeah. get to with, with your poetry, um, I I would say the easiest way to connect with me is to find me on Instagram. Sadly, um, my handle is at cep34. In the Instagram, there's a link tree in my bio that links to a lot of my work. Um, And that's usually where I keep, whenever I have additional money, which I don't have now, I usually make a link tree and it has like the work that's been published by me so people can see it and read it if they want to. Um, There's also a chat book on there. Um, If you're in Madison, please follow Mad City Story Slam. Not Madison Story Slam, Mad City Mad Story City. Slam. And it's a collective of me and two really close friends. We do shows throughout the city. Actually, my friends are helping me do a reading of my play in Madison on August 26th. So, but we post everything on that site um, about what that we're doing when it comes to pro- programmatically, if there's something you want to see. Um, and we've done so many different programs. I think we put on over 20 different Story Slams and events. So... And there was a time where I had this like pool to do an event called Music and Lyrics, where we would have like a poet and a musician yeah. be the features and have an open mic surrounding it. Um, so we do events like that all the time. Yeah. And if you want to read my work in Ithmus, just Google Charles Payne Ithmus. If you get a conservative newscaster, that's not me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but it's, it's the Ithmus, it's a free paper. Um, I'm a contributor. It should come up that Charles Payne is a contributor. And there's four essays, I believe, that are up there um, that you can find. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. I uh, 
I uh, really enjoyed reading uh, when I lived in Madison, Wisconsin, the Isthmus for, you know, the local news. And they had some great writers and they, they, they pop in some, you know, articles catching up with authors that were around a while ago. It's just, it, it was, it was, it was smart. At least when I was reading, it was a, it was a, it was a smart uh, paper, but um, used to yeah. work right there on uh, Williamson street, Willie street over that way. Ooh. I picked that up on my uh, lunch breaks doing my, um, doing my union work. So um very glad to hear uh, not only the, that you are in Madison and doing this work, but the, the, the type of work that you described, um, it's, it's exciting to me because this is where, this is where hope is, where hope is, this is where knowledge is, Mm -hmm. at least for me. And uh, so I really appreciate that. And um, just, uh, just asking listeners, check out, um, uh, check out uh, Charles uh, Payne and, 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 um, you're writing and if you're local and gosh, now Charles, I, I feel I got to get out there to Madison. That's a whole other thing. But uh, if you're local folks, uh, make sure you look around, support uh, poetry, uh, support, mm-hmm. the, support the arts in the great city of Madison. And um, Charles, uh, great pleasure um, to talk to you and uh, thank you for what you do. Yeah. Thank you for your time. And thank you for, you know, making a time capsule. I'm excited to look back at some of your older work and hear what those poets had to say. And uh, yeah, I'm just glad you're doing this. This is amazing. Thank you. I'll make one further comment to one of the early episodes I did. And I was say this, uh, a great friend of mine, I knew him as BK is a Bung Kong Tuan, a Southeast Asian immigrant. Um, and uh, I studied uh, literature uh, with Bukong at the University of Massachusetts. We became fast friends from different kind of uh, backgrounds. Uh, absolutely incredible uh, poetry of um, uh, the diaspora and a kind of, uh, of, of music and a cadence of music. Um, uh, so it was one of the early episodes that I did. And like I said, looking back, um, just talking to poetry in particular and um i feel that the intimacy of poetry in the sense of somebody being like like look at this like for me the best you know it's like hey look at this didn't you know this and it's right in there it it, uh it helps because in trying to understand things sometimes you can read a thousand pages and (laughs) Mm -hmm. that little kernel that you that you do charles and other people do might 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 be the shortcut to to get where you need to be so yeah great great chat with you and thanks for coming on to the program all right you have a wonderful day take care this is something rather than nothing 